We want to honor our vets. If you're online, thank you so much for your sacrifice and your service to our country, to the people of this nation. And if you're here in this room, I want us to take a moment to recognize you with us, among us. So if you have served our country in any part of the military, will you please stand to your feet right now so we can honor you with a hand clap, honor you. Yeah, come on. Look around the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. We are truly blessed with these heroes among us, and we know the sacrifice for you and your family. And uh, I know for my family, you know, we have military background all the way back to World War II, so we, we want to take time to honor you uh, this week. So, hey, uh, thank you so much for gathering with us, whether you're online or you're here in person. We're so glad that we're together. Do you already sense God's presence moving in every heart, right? God is so good. When we come together, he moves on our hearts. He is faithful to us. Well, hey, before we jump into this morning's sermon, uh, I wanted to kind of give you some information on some of the staff changes. I know that we've had transition here lately. If you're new here, you may not be aware, but we've had some pastors be sent out to Arizona recently. And so what that did is that made room for some changes here and some transitions to of people coming in to leadership positions here. And so I thought it'd be good for us to just kind of know who's who and kind of get some names and faces and some areas that we're adding to our church. So uh, just to show you on the screen real quick, uh, I got some pictures of our, of our staff team here. Um, some faces are familiar and some are not familiar yet, but they will be. Um, so I want to introduce some of the new staff that we brought in so, and some leadership. So we brought uh, Elisha and Kari Ahern uh, come, came in as associate pastors. We have uh, Nicole Rivera as our finance director. We, we brought in uh, Nick. Uh, you guys know Nick as he was coming in and he was, he was serving, he was leading. And so we brought him in as worship director and we brought in Trey Lara as a production lead. So we're super blessed for that, uh, bringing these additions to our, our staff and our leadership team. We made some moves and changes there as well. Um, so we have Sue Cross, which you saw in the video in our con congregational care. We brought in AJ Gordon as our men's ministry director and Latina Hawkins as our women's ministry or sisterhood director. So just thought I'd let you know about some of those changes. We're real excited about, about um, ad adding these leaders and growing our leadership here at Grace. So thank you. Keep these leaders in, in prayer as they're coming and transitioning into new roles. But we're so blessed here at Grace Church to have phenomenal leadership. Amen. It's an honor and a blessing to, to lead this team. Well, we are in week two of our sermon series titled Unstuck. Everybody say unstuck. 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 You know, that I don't know what comes to mind when you hear that word. Because it should make some of us cringe because I know that naturally we do not like to be stuck. We do not like to be stuck. We want to be unstuck. And what we've been learning through this study, through this series, is we've been learning lessons from God's Word on how to build back our momentum. Now, I feel like this whole year has felt like it has slowed down or even paused. And, and this has taken longer than we expected. And because of that, some of us during this time of the year, we start feeling like we're stuck in a rut. Stuck in a rut. Well, when I was thinking this week about this title series, I was thinking way back about the last time I was stuck in my car. Or should I say, my car was stuck. It was actually a couple years ago when we had a big snowstorm in our area. And I remember 
pulling out of my driveway. My driveway was coming up on a hill, and so I pull out of my driveway, and I underestimated the level of snow that we had on the, on the ground. And so as soon as I pulled out, I lost my momentum, and when I tried to turn onto the road, I started sliding, and I got stuck. And I remember trying to do everything I can to kind of build some momentum, going in reverse, going forward, and all that did was bury me deeper in the snow, creating more slush. And I was doing all this work, but it seemed like my wheels were not going anywhere. They were just spinning out of control. I was stuck. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you have been in that predicament. And I remember I was thinking, how do I get out? So I, I got out, and I started grabbing any, any branches I could find. I was breaking them up. I was trying to build some traction around my tire. So, so I was grabbing stuff that I could find, rocks and branches, and I was trying to put it around so that I could have traction for my tires. Slowly but surely, I started to build that traction as I started to put stuff around there, and it started to help my tires grab onto something so that I can get myself unstuck. Eventually, I was able to pull my car out. My hope is that you receive God's word today in such a way that it will give you traction to get out of the rut, whether it be an emotional rut or a mental rut or a spiritual one. Because I believe that God wants to bring momentum in our lives. Do you believe that this morning? Now, one of the areas that I believe that many of us get, can, can get stuck in or that can cause us to get stuck is in the area of self-confidence, in the area of our confidence. Now, I'm not talking about us uh, projecting confidence. I'm talking about confidence that goes deeper than that, confidence that is from your soul, confidence that is rooted in your identity. See, where your confidence is anchored in. And that's, that's really the big question for this morning is where is your confidence anchored in? What is it that you secure your confidence in? Self-confidence. I read a study this week that estimated that 85% of the U.S. population struggles with low self-esteem and low self-confidence. I don't know about you, but that shocked me. I mean, that's a massive amount of people. A massive amount. Now, that might not sound like your experience with the people that you engage with, or maybe it does. See, for some people in our lives, we know that there is a lack of confidence, that there are people in our lives, the people that we know, or maybe us ourselves, that we know that we are open to talking about it, and people know that, that we struggle in this area. And then there's other people who kind of use that, and they, and they build up some, some false confidence, and, and, and sometimes it can kind of come off as a little arrogant. Don't point at anybody in this room, but we all know people that probably suffer from both camps. The truth of the matter is, is that we all have moments, don't we, where we doubt ourselves, where we lack the confidence that we should have. You know, there are many reasons why many of us struggle with this, many struggle with confidence, and I think one of the major factors I can sum up in one word, it's comparison. Comparison. You know, comparing your abilities comparing your skill set, comparing your talents, comparing your economic status with someone else, whether it's your family members, whether it's your peer group, whether it's your coworkers. I mean, I think that the reason why this number is increasing is probably because every day we're scrolling through some, some feeds that, that all of a sudden something comes to mind and we see a comparison there between us and someone else and all of a sudden that makes us lose our confidence. You know, last week, 
we talked about a man well-known in the Bible by the name of Moses. And I gave you a bit of his origin story about, about where he began. I thought it was important for us to start there. And as we're looking in this man's life, in this series, we're going to take moments of his life. This great leader, Moses, we're going to take moments of his life where he felt stuck, and we see how God can bring the traction that he needs to get out of the rut and become unstuck. So last week, we got into the book of Exodus, chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, 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 and get to Exodus, chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off and this was that burning bush, bush moment. Many of us who are familiar with the story, we know how monumental this moment was for the life of Moses, where God spoke to Moses and called him to partner with him to free his people, God's people, out of Egyptian slavery. I mean, this was a huge moment. And God told Moses that he needed to go back to Egypt and free his people. Yet Moses struggled with that. Why? Well, it wasn't because he didn't believe that God had the power, but it was because he had low confidence in himself. You know, Moses is this iconic figure in the Bible. Like I mentioned last week, I said, you know, he's probably, besides Jesus, he's probably the one that is most referred to and referenced by throughout the Bible. And yet, what we see and we tend to forget sometimes is that these people in the Bible, especially a man like Moses, was a human just like us. He had feelings he had flaws like you and me. And what I love about this story is that we get to see him not as this courageous leader that is leading people across the Red Sea, but we see him as a real person with real fears, doubts, and insecurities. Oh, I'm so glad the Bible gives us those moments to see that he was just a normal person like you and I. You know, in today's passage, we're going to read a dialogue between God and this man named Moses. And it will give us a glimpse of this man's heart. It will give us a glimpse of this man's struggles and this man's fears. And it also will give us a glimpse of why he lacked confidence. I'm so glad that the Bible doesn't just give us the highlights of these heroes of faith, but it also shares with us some of the lowlights. But the big idea today is this, is that Moses, even though he lacked confidence, even though he had a confidence issue, it did not stop God from wanting to use this man in an extraordinary way. So hopefully that gave you enough time to find Exodus chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off in verse 7. It says this. It says, the Lord said, the Lord declared, and I love this because this is the Lord speaking to Moses, and he says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them cry out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned for their sufferings. So I, the Lord declared himself, I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and bringing them out of that land into a spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And what an amazing moment for Moses to hear God declare that now is the time. He says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This was the call of God, the moment of commissioning. And if you know a little bit about the history and what we talked about last week is that, is that this was something that was burning in Moses' heart 40 years prior to this moment. He wanted to see his people free. 
He was waiting for this moment. And you would think that finally God's saying, now is the time. This is the appointed hour. I'm ready. Let's go. You would think that Moses would have rolled up his sleeves, packed his bag, and was ready to go for the journey because he's been waiting for this for 40 years. Yet that is not how Moses responds. How does he respond? Verse 11, he says, But Moses said to God, he said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I? I think that that's the question that we all wrestle with, if we're honest with ourselves. I think many of us spend the entire lives trying to figure out, who am I? If I was to sit across the table from you today and I was to ask you, who are you? What would you say? What would be the first sentences coming out of your mouth? How would you describe yourself? How would you show me who you were? How would you tell me? I mean, this is such a big question. Why? Because when we address this question, when we answer this question, we are addressing our identity. And how, do you, how many know that our identity fuels our self-confidence? We learn a lot about somebody when they describe who they are. Now, usually when we answer a question like this or this big question, we look for associations, don't we? Both meaningful and maybe a bit shallow. When I mean meaningful, I mean this thing is how do you describe yourself is in your associations with the people that you care most about. For instance, if I was to describe to you who I am, I would say that I am Omar, I am the son of Leti. I am the, the brother of Myra and Gabriel and Caesar and Ronnie and Rebecca. I am the husband of Misty. I am the father of Trey, Jayla, and Sylvia. I am a follower of Jesus. I mean, you make it personal, right? That's meaningful of who you are. And then there's the kind of bit shallow side. If you could talk about what, 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 what's your favorite sports team. Anybody who knows me knows that I am a fan of the Raiders. I know, there's some... There's some Sorry, right? But you might describe yourself as a fan of the Seahawks, right? Yeah, there you go. I was waiting for that. Or your vocation or your hobbies. I mean, really, when we describe who we are, we're usually trying to find our associations, and that helps us build up our confidence of describing who we are, what we're about, what we want other people to perceive about us. But who I am goes beyond those things. And Moses is going a step further than just that simple question. He's not basing who he is based on associations. It's not about describing himself, his likes and dislikes. No, it goes deeper than that. It goes to the core of his soul of what is his worth. Basically, he's telling God, he's saying, God, I'm nobody. I'm a nobody. Why are you bringing this to me? What Moses is saying, he's saying, look, God, you're looking for someone to go to Pharaoh to help set your people free from Egypt. But who am I to do that? God, you need to understand that where I'm sitting today, I feel worthless. I, I, I feel like I can't do this. I don't know who, who I really am, and I don't feel like I'm worthy of such a cause. God, you've seen my resume God, you know who I am. You know what I've done. Now, maybe there was a time back in, in 40 years ago in my life where, where I was sitting in a position of power and authority, and maybe back then I could have helped my people, but you know that I threw that all away when I took it into my own hands, and I made my own decision, and I failed. 
God, I'm a failure. God, I, 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 I tried that once, and I messed up really bad, and it got me to where I am today. God, I am a nobody. I am a failure. I am not worthy for you to come and talk to me. That's who I am. See, I believe that there are many things in the heart of God that God wants to see on this earth. Things that he wants to do through his people. I also believe that there are prayers right now going unanswered, not because God doesn't have the power to fulfill those prayers, but because the people that he wants to use are doubting themselves that God could use them to be part of God's plan. When the Holy Spirit prompts your heart, many of us respond with, who am I? Who am I to do that? I think God is challenging us. I, got, I think God is putting stuff in our hearts. God is wanting us to do these extraordinary things. And yet when God comes to us and we have this God moment where he inspires us, maybe it happens here, maybe it happens in your prayer closet, but there's some dream, there's some direction, there's something big that God wants to do something with in your life and partner with him in to change this world around us. And yet we turn to God and we say, who am I? Who am I to do something like that? Check out how God answers that question. Verse 12, God says, I will be with you. In other words, when Moses says, who am I that I might do this? God doesn't give him a pep talk. God doesn't puff him up and try to build him up to say, you know, look at all the gifts you have, Moses. God doesn't even encourage him of what he sees in him and what he knows of him. No, when Moses had self-doubt, God's response was, I will be with you. I will be with you. Moses, it's not about your resume. It's not about your self-confidence. It's not about what you think about yourself or what other people think about you. No, the only thing you need to know about you is that I am with you. That's how God responded to him. He says, I will be with you. And then this will be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, he says, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, the next verse is very comical because you see that Moses then tries to come up with every excuse he has to get out of this that God is calling him to do. Moses says to God, he says, suppose I go to the Israelites. Suppose you're right. Suppose I do this, God. And I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them then? <laughs> It's almost like Moses is expecting God to say, you know what, I didn't think about that. You're right, this is a terrible idea. Right? That's kind of what, what, it, what it looks like here. But God, he answers him in such an amazing answer. I believe he's going to resonate with all of our hearts today. I mean, it's such a big answer that I think that it could be a whole sermon on its own. But God turns to him and he says, I am who I am. This is what I want you to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, he says, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. I mean, you know that from generation to generation to generation, the Lord is known as I am. What does that mean? I am. 
the great I am. See, up until this point, God's people only knew him by his titles. And the most common name that they would call God was the word Elohim. That's actually the first uh, 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 mention of God in Scripture in Genesis 1-1 when it says, in the beginning was God, and that was God Almighty, God Creator. They just knew him in that realm. They called him by Elohim. But this is the first time in Scripture that we see God give his own name. This is the first time that God is revealing what to call him. He says, I am. See, the name I am conveys his dominion over all things. The source of his power, his eternal nature. The name I am, when he says that, he's declaring that he is self-sufficient and self-sustaining. In the words that God says, when he says I am, he's saying I was, I am, and I always will be. Another translation says, would say it this way, I will, be, I will be what I will be. And that settles it with God. God is making it pretty clear to Moses. He says, before the beginning of time, I am. And when time comes to a close, I am. And whatever questions you have about me, about my existence, and trying to figure me out before anything else is and anything else will be, I am. And Moses, listen up. I am with you. That's what he was declaring. Why was this so hard for Moses to accept? Moses is listening. I mean, imagine this is manifestation that's happening. This bush is burning, but it's not burned up. God is speaking to him in an audible voice. He's, he's in the presence of God on holy ground. God says, I am, and I am with you. And yet he's doubting. Why? Well, Moses was hearing this through the lens of his own weakness. What do I mean? I mean that he was saying, God, I'm not able to go to Pharaoh and speak to him. And God answers him as, I am. God, I don't have the skill sets to convince him or anyone that they should free their slaves. God answered him, I am. God, I have major questions about my own life whether I have any worth at all. Who on earth would listen to me? And God responds to him, I am. Who will guide me? Who will support me? Who will help me? God responds to him, I am. This response that God gave to Moses was for Moses to understand this, to believe with all of his heart in the depths of his soul that God is all we need, that God is all is our all in all. It's like, Moses, it's like God is trying to get Moses to understand and reveal to him who he truly is. And he's saying, Moses, if I say I'm going to be with you, then that means I'm going to help you. But you need to know who I am. I am everything you need. In fact, Moses, it's really not about you. It's about who I am and who you are to me. That's the message. That's what God is trying to get across. And in the next few verses, scrolling down, you see that, that, that God starts to break down everything that Moses needs to say and everything that Moses needs to do. You would think that that'd be enough convincing for our guy Moses to start heading towards Egypt, but it's not. Go with me to chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answers, and he says, what if? You ever hang out with somebody who always gives you those hypothetical questions? 
Pray for my wife because that's me. I'm always that guy. What if? What if? He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord has not appeared to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Now, the next verse I'm about to share with you and telling you, there's some words of wisdom for anybody who's walking in the woods. It says, Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. <laughs> can you imagine that? Who says God doesn't have a sense of humor? I mean, can you imagine heaven just chuckling, the angels laughing that this grown man is running from the snake? It says, then the Lord said, reach in your hand, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Wow. Now, if you've ever been around a snake, this will save your life. This is some good advice. Never grab it by the tail. <laughs> that is the most dangerous way to grab a snake. So what was God doing here? Well, God was showing him and proving to him that if I lead you into dangerous places, you will not be in despair. Why? Because I am with you. You can trust me. Now, Moses must still not be getting this <laughs> because God ratchets it up a little bit more here. God has another trick up his sleeve, literally, here. You think the snake is crazy. So the Lord said this. He says, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, his skin was leprous, and it became as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak. And so Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it restored just like the rest of his flesh. Imagine that sight. God's telling him, he's saying, if they don't believe you with the first sign, the snake then surely they'll believe you with the second sign, the leopard is hand. And if they don't believe you with the first two signs, then surely they're going to believe you with the third sign. And what's the third sign? He says, take some water out of the Nile, throw it on the ground, and it will turn to blood. Let me tell you this. A snake, a rotting flesh, and blood, if that doesn't get people's attention and legitimize your message, then I don't know what will, right? Like, these people would be convinced in those signs, yet Moses is still struggling, to understand. God is saying, you know, Moses, I understand people will be skeptical. I understand that people will be stubborn. But when I say I am with you, that means that I will empower you. Come on, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Whatever God's calling you into, God says, if, you, if I'm in it, I will empower you. And I will be your help if you need the help because I am. Oh, this is so helpful for us, isn't it? Doesn't this just make you feel like, wow, God can use me? <laughs> I love this. I love that the Bible shows us this stuff. It's so helpful to know that God takes his time with Moses to build his confidence up prior to the time he had to stand before Pharaoh. God does this on the backside of a mountain where Moses is alone with God and hidden away from anyone else. See, we tend to think that confidence grows in the spotlight, right? We tend to think that, but that's not how godly confidence develops. See, godly confidence develops away from the spotlight because it's often in the times in private and our alone times with God that we are able to be our true selves. If we allow him, friends, if we allow him, God will shape us and he will build something inside the core of us so strong that we will begin to understand that even our very being and our identity and our purpose and our abilities are not based on our talents and our skills and our personality. Rather, it's built on the mere fact that the one who created us 
believes in us, loves us, and has chosen us. That's what happens. And you only get this revelation when you spend time with the great I am. See, before your faith can ever be public and make an impact, it has to be private. We cannot expect God to move publicly through us if we're not letting him move privately in us. Moses' private life, and you'll see it from this moment, he learns this lesson on the backside of the mountain, a lesson that he'll take with him throughout his life in his leadership. You'll see that Moses' private life always fueled his public life. Before he ever stepped foot in the palace in front of the king, the pharaoh, he spent time on the backside of the mountain with the king of kings, the almighty God. And that's where his confidence was built. Now, during this season, I, I just sense, like, there's a lot of restlessness, right? Like, during this year and everything going on, and even this week, I mean, there's just a lot of, 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 of feelings of, of fear. And, and no matter what side you're on, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of fear and concerns in people's hearts. I mean, you just sense it, don't you? And what I recognize is, especially this week, I just recognize that, that, that though there are certain people that I've been around, that though they are concerned about the same things, there is a confidence in their soul and how they speak and in their presence when they come around you. And in my heart, I know that they've been spending time with the Lord. I just sense that that confidence that they build is in that private space, in their prayer closets, as they're digging in and they're getting with God and they're putting their focuses on him. And I think that that's what's building their confidence. And so when, when every, everybody is talking and panicking and, 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 rec- and, and just relentless on going this way and that way and trying to attack, there's people that are solid to the core. And I believe it's because they're spending their time with the Lord on the backside of the mountain. See, God shapes and molds us on the backside of the mountains when no one is looking Self-confidence develops when you know the meaning of what it means to worship the great I am and to believe, to believe that he is with you. And you learn that and only learn that through spending time with him. So if you want to build your confidence, <laughs> I suggest to you that you've got to just start digging in and spending more time with him. But our guy Moses, he still got some doubts. Verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, he says, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow to speech and tongue. Now, some commentators differ on their view of what this means. There's some commentators out there that say that he felt inadequate to go in front of a person of power like a king and, and speak. He, said he wasn't uh, um, confident in his education to have the right words to express himself. He thought he had to argue his way or debate his way to allow Pharaoh to free the people of God. So he saw what he lacked. Now there's other commentaries based on the last sentence there when he says, I am slow to speech and tongue. There's other commentaries that believe that maybe he had a speech impediment, that maybe Moses stuttered when he talked. Now, I can totally relate to this because when I was a kid, I had a stuttering problem. It's amazing to me that God has used me <laughs> to stand up every week in front of people. I you know that has been a, a journey with God. But when I was a kid, my first language was Spanish. I didn't learn English until I started attending elementary school. 
And so I remember there were so many things in my head swirling around. All these words were getting mixed up that I had a hard time expressing myself. I had a hard time communicating to my teachers and to my friends because things were going to get mixed up in my head. And so when I'd speak, I would be slow. I would stutter. People would laugh. People would joke. Even till this day, there's things in my mind that gets mixed up at times where, where I, I get frustrated because I'm trying to find the right words to express on what I'm trying to say, and it doesn't come out. And I'm telling you that when people chuckle or laugh, it triggers that feeling that I had as a kid. And I just wonder if maybe that's the fear that Moses had. Maybe that was the pain or the wound that he suffered with. And so when he's hearing that God is saying, I need you to go and speak before this king, he thought about that wound. thought, I can't do that, God. But it's interesting to me that God is asking him to trust him and step out in an area that he needed the most healing in, a place that rattled his confidence. I wonder if God is still calling people into places that trigger their deepest hurts, not to cause them more pain, but to heal them in their hurts, to show them that he can truly be their all in all to build their confidence in the great I am and to build their confidence that they can become overcomers through him who gives them strength. I just wonder if God still does that. Some of us, we don't believe in healings and miracles because we don't see them. But I want to say that we don't see them because we don't always believe for them. Part of belief is faith. Faith and trusting in God and God's instructions And if he's asking you to step out in a scary place, then I think you need to trust him that he's got the steps before you prepared. If you don't believe me, then you should ask Peter (laughs) what happened when he stepped out in the water. Right? God made a way. So if there's some things that make us feel like, God, I don't know if I, then God says, I have prepared a way for you. You got this. It's easy to think that God gets the most glory when we are living strong. It's easy for us to think that when we got it all together, when we're winning, that that's when God gets all the glory. Friends, you may not know this. Maybe you do, and you need to remind it of this, that God gets the most glory when we trust him in our weakness. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. He had a pretty impressive resume, didn't he? Even before he planted dozens of churches and pastored thousands of people and wrote most of the New Testament. But that man wrote these words when he had a struggle, when he had a weakness that was being exposed. And the Lord Jesus said to him this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, each time I came to the Lord with this, the Lord Jesus said to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. See, for when I am weak, I am strong. Wow. Moses felt weak in speech, yet God says, I got it. I'm going to give you something to say. When Moses responded to God and said, I can't, God responded back and said, remember who I am. I feel like that's for somebody this morning. The Lord said to him, he says, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. 
He doesn't respond to Moses and says, hey, Moses, you got this. You got it all together. No, he says, no, go. Trust, obey, and I will help you along the way. But Moses responds back and he says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Oh, my goodness. Lord, have mercy. Bless his little heart. That's us, though. Oh, man. The Lord has so much patience for us, doesn't he? I mean, we, we learned that a little bit with the book of Jonah as well. That our God is long-suffering with us. And he is full of mercy. You know, over the next several verses, if you continue to read this story, you'll see that God begins to knock down every single doubt that Moses has about himself. But God doesn't do this by reminding Moses about his abilities, about his skill sets, but he reminds Moses who he is. See, Moses' ability to complete God's call was never about Moses in the first place. It was always about God's ability. See, God's power in your life has nothing to do with you and what you can do. It's all based on who he is. That's where our confidence needs to be anchored in. You know, maybe you have an opportunity before you. Maybe you're stuck in a rut because you've allowed self-doubt to creep in. And it's keeping you from taking that first step. God's been patient with us. God's been working with us. God's been preparing us on the backside of mountains. And now he's saying go. Now he's saying it's time for you to step up and step out. And yet the biggest battle we're battling right now is a battle with self-doubt. It's a battle with lack of confidence. And we're trying to muster it up and we're trying to create this false sense of confidence. And we try to hype ourselves up. But it, let me tell you, God's like, you're getting it all wrong. You're getting it all backwards. It's not going to come from you. It's going to come from me. It's going to come when you start to focus back on me. Maybe you're stuck in comparison right now. Maybe that's where you're stuck. You're comparing yourself to someone else, how someone else does it. You're saying, God's calling you to do something. You're like, well, if I don't do it like that, then what's the point? God says, no, I called you. I want you. Maybe you're stuck in self-doubt about everything. And it's paralyzing you. You're not moving forward in life. Maybe you're stuck in negative thoughts about yourself, unhealthy thoughts, lies from the enemy. No matter where your confidence is today, the Lord is inviting you right now in this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, the Lord's inviting you right now. Will you bring that to him with all that you are, knowing that it's him that is calling you, that it's him who believes in you, it's him who loves you, it's him that wants to partner with you in doing the things that he's put on your heart long ago. A lot of times, the reasons why we feel stuck in life is because we put all of our trust in our own abilities. We overthink everything and we just try to have it all figured out when God's saying, will you just trust me? I brought you this far. I'm not going to let you go now. If anything, the best is yet to come. If we just depend on our own skills and our own talents, we will never make it, friends. 
We'll never live life fulfilled. There's more. There's more for you. There was more for Moses. But it's only when we get our minds set on the right thing that it's never really about us. It's about who he is. See, the great I am is with you. And we need to remember that in our weakness, he is strong. In our fear, he is our courage. And in our doubt, he is our confidence. If you're here in this room, would you take a moment and stand if you can. We're going to reflect on whatever God put on your heart this morning. You know, I began with sharing a statistic about our battle with low self-esteem and lack of confidence. And I said that 85% of people are, are affected by this. That's a lot of us. That's a lot of us. And I say us because I'm in that camp as well. And what I realize is when I start, start feeling insecure, that's an indicator that I'm keeping my eyes off of him. And so maybe the first step for many of us today that might be feeling insecure, might be lacking confidence, is maybe we need to turn our eyes back on him. Maybe the first step is to look there, to look to him. Our confidence will begin by us making a commitment to focus back on him, to spend more time with him, to get back into the word, to get back into the prayer time with him. And I'm telling you that if you take those steps, watch your confidence begin to build. Because it's not about you, it's about him. You know, Moses did some amazing things from this moment forward, but he would have never been able to do that if he didn't have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of view. No longer was he looking on the things of his weakness, but he was looking at the greatness of God. Some of us need to do that today. So if you want to join me in this prayer, go ahead and just close your eyes. If you're here online, take a moment to pause, reflect, and respond. We all heard this before. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And right now, some of us are in the season of our life where we're saying the there was a day, it was a long time ago, and that was my time, it's over. And I'm gonna tell you today, God's encouraging you, saying step out, trust me, you're ready for this, now go. God, I pray for my friends today, God, and I have felt that way, and that has stunt their growth, that has, that has broken their confidence. And today you wanna to restore it. They say that you still call them, the calling is without repentance, God, that if you still called them then, you're still calling them now. You still want them to be activated today, that there's a lot of work to be done. We need to roll up our sleeves and we need to go and help your work to set people free. And so you're gonna use every person in this room, every person online who's a Jesus follower, and you're gonna take us to maybe some dangerous places to go set some people free. And you're gonna be with us and you're reminding us of that. God, I pray right now over to everyone that we would respond with a yielded heart. That it would not be about us and what we lack and what we don't have, but it would be all the fact that it's on you and who you are. God, I lift up everyone today, God, that might feel stuck, and right now they're starting to feel the word of God, give them traction, to give them hope, to give them peace, to give them direction. God, I pray for everyone here to not be afraid to take the first step because even the smallest step is still the right step in your direction. Your word tells us, do not despise small beginnings because the Lord, you rejoice when the work has begun. So I pray, God, let it happen right now. Settle every heart. 
God, we thank you, God, that you are with us. And you promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that you've given us your spirit to guide us through. Give us the courage and the strength in your precious name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? I hope you feel encouraged today. I hope you're inspired today. And I hope you're ready to go and make a difference in the world. Hey, we are doing our Thanksgiving serve during this season, so please pitch in, please help. This is something that we can all do together to help other people and show them the love of Jesus. Also, we have a big announcement coming up this week where we're going to talk about adding another service to our church, and we're also going to be reopening our kids' ministry, so we're real excited for that. We'll give you more details on that. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week.